0: So last week, we, uh, we made our way over to Charlotte, and one of the things we did is we went to Carowinds. I think we're still in that age bracket where Carowinds is still fun, like ride the rides. Um, but what we didn't anticipate was getting there and being unsure about how ready we were <laughs> to ride the rides, because it's been, I don't know, 10 years for you, and, and maybe a little longer for me since I've actually been on a roller coaster, and I used to ride roller coasters like crazy. And so I was a little nervous about what the roller coaster, what it was going to make me feel like, and and Jessica was too. And so we get there, and uh, we we get on the first one. Like, we go in the line, and I'm a little apprehensive, and and I think we just picked one. Like, I don't think it was any strategy. We didn't really know what it did. We just thought, you know, the roller coasters. (laughs) We realized that we picked, like, the worst one ever to try. So we're in line, and we're actually, we got there early, so there wasn't a lot of people there. So when we got in there, we're actually at the gate, watching the first people go and they get in the seat and all of a sudden the seat starts going backwards and they lay completely down like this and then it takes off backwards (laughs) like I think we need to text the kids I don't know if we're going to make it out of this alive but we we had a great 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 time on our one-year wedding anniversary we're glad to be back at Goldsboro uh, with you today and, and we're in a series today called Restoring Values. And we're talking about values that our country had, at least in the beginning and maybe still a little bit, but they've diminished some. Would, would you agree with this statement that America is not the same America as it was before? Would you agree with a statement that says, you know what, America is not the same as it was when you were growing up, or maybe your parents when they were growing up? Would you agree to that? Uh, I think we all can agree that America is vastly different in a lot of ways Um, compared to when our founding fathers first established an organized nation. Uh, In this series, we're going to be talking about some of the values that we really believe we need to restore, not just in our nation, uh, but in our church, and also in our family, in our lives. Uh, America used to be a place where people looked for and expected miracles. And when I say that, it's quiet on purpose, because we really don't expect miracles like we did before. We're talking about a nation that was established because there were some brave men and brave families who left a world that was already established to come here and eventually stand up to a giant where literally it was impossible for that to have happened the way it happened and thus be a nation like we are today. They needed a miracle, and they believed God was going to do it for what they believed in, in terms of the values that they had and what they, were, what they felt like they were running to. And they expected... A miracle, despite the tough odds. Do you think in, in, in the, the several hundred years that we've been a nation, that we've lost some of that, that expectation of a miracle to take place? I, and, and it's quiet because I think we have. But I still believe that the Word of God is true, that doesn't change. When God said in 2 Chronicles seven fourteen, and I want you to read this with me, it's on the screen, if my people who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. I will hear from heaven, and I will forgive their sin, and I will heal their land. I I believe that God has the capacity to turn anything around. And, And the value of expecting miracles from a miraculous God shouldn't be something that we don't think a lot about. But, but I think it's, it's kind of waned. And maybe it's because you know, we don't see the miracles like we used to, we, like we heard of. We certainly don't see the kinds of miracles, at least in our culture, like we read about in the Bible. So it's kind of, you know, well, are we really going to believe that or not? But our country was founded on miracles being a normal thing. And I think that's a value that we need to reestablish. And we're going to be talking about different values like that as we go about this series, but today we're going to be talking about the value of miracles, how God can take a little and turn it into a lot. So let me ask you the question just out of the bat, what is it in your life that you have a little of that you need a lot of? What, what is it? We're going to talk about four principles here today in God's Word that we're going to apply to this, but I want you to go ahead and understand in your own life what is it that you have a little bit of now that you need a lot of? Maybe you're here today and you're like, you know what, my joy is sapped. I used to be joyful, but now I'm not. I have a little bit of joy in my life, but I need God to do something in me. I need him to do something in my life. I need a miracle in that area. Maybe for you it's like a, a physical need, like a material thing. I need a financial breakthrough uh, because I have a little bit and, and my lack is causing me to, for my life to cave in. And I, I literally need God to do something in me financially. Maybe it's a relationship thing, and you're like, you know what, there's, there's a little bit of connectivity there, but I, I, I need God to do something in my relationship. I need a miracle. I, I, right now I have a little, and I need a lot. What, what is that for you? Because the first principle is this. We're going to dive right in. We have to identify the problem. That's the first principle in setting yourself up for God to do a miracle in your life. So I'm going to ask you again, what is it that you have little of now that you need a lot of? And, and as we begin talking about these principles, we're going to look at, at uh, how to set yourself up for a miracle, and we're going to do that by reading uh, one of the stories of Jesus' miracles. So this was a time when uh, this particular miracle that happened, it was one of the most famous miracles that Jesus did because upwards of 20,000 people witnessed it. And, and it was a really big need, and we're going to go into it in a minute. But this story is nuts. Jesus shows up with his disciples and there's the, the, the actual story in the scriptures say there was 5,000 people. Jesus feeds the 5,000. You, you've heard of that story possibly. Uh, but that didn't include women and children. They didn't count them back in that culture and that time for different reasons. But it says in the scriptures not including women and children. So Bible scholars say that there could have been upwards in most degree fifteen to 20,000 people there that day. And Jesus did a miracle. And so they first identified the problem. What is your problem that you have? And let's just kind of pick up in the story in Mark chapter 6. It says this, by this time it was late in the day, so his disciples came to him. This is a remote place, they said, and it's already very late. Send the people away so they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. He said, by this time it was late in the day. Say late in the day. They'd been there all day long. Jesus has been teaching them, they're hungry, they're famished, it's mealtime, and there is no food anywhere, and the disciples come to them. Is there a problem? Yes. What's the problem? There's fifteen or 20,000 people there, and there's no McDonald's in sight. There, There's no thick burger around to get from a Hardee's. There is no Chick-fil-A. I know, that seems crazy now, but even if it was, Jesus was teaching, so it was probably Sunday, and they weren't open anyway. <laughs> The, the interesting thing is, is there's the problem, and they have Jesus with them, okay? And, and they come to him with their problem. And I need you to know today, whatever your problem is, the same Jesus that was with them is with you. And the same propensity that they had for Jesus to do a miracle in their lives, and he did, is the same propensity that you have in your life with your problem for Jesus to do a miracle in you. Am I, am I helping you out? Am I encouraging you today? We, we need to understand that of the value of looking and expecting miracles is something that we need to reheat in our lives and we first we have to identify what the problem is they had a big problem what's yours because we don't like problems we don't in fact when i said identify what your problem is for some of you it like it was like a sand spur in your mind and you wanted to run away from the problem and and i'm not being facetious I'm, i'm serious when i say that because our problems hurt And a lot of times we want to run away from the problem, but what we forget sometimes is that before a miracle can happen, a problem has to exist. A miracle starts with a problem. If you don't have a problem, then you can't expect a miracle to happen to fix the problem that you don't have. So whatever problem you have, the first part of setting the stage for the miracle is to go ahead and identify what that problem is. And for some of us in the room today, we just need to face the problem head on and agree that this is an issue that needs to be worked out and this is an issue that I need to start walking down the path seeking God on. We have to identify the problem. The second one is this, accept responsibility for the problem. This is hard because for some of you, know, the problem is not my fault. Let me tell you something. It, you, there's always something that you can do to put God in the mix to solve your problem. You have to accept responsibility for it. In, in this particular story... Look, the disciples came to him. Verse 35 says that they came to Jesus. They saw that they were in this remote place. They saw there was a lot of people. They, they knew they didn't have any food. And so they went to Jesus and said, we've got to do something about this. And the interesting part is, is they didn't have the right answer. They didn't know what they were going to do, but they knew this. I have to get this problem at the feet of Jesus so that we can figure this thing out. And for some of you in the room you, and, and online, even you, you don't know what the answer to the problem is. You, you, have, you don't know where you're supposed to go from here. You don't know what you're going to do. But I'm telling you right now, take responsibility for taking that problem to the Lord and being open for what he wants to do next. Take responsibility for the problem. Maybe the, the path to the miracle that you're looking for is waiting on you to stop ignoring the issue and to take responsibility for your part. It, it's funny because Jesus saw the need long before they did. I mean, if the Bible is accurate and we know it to be true, that Jesus knew what the problem was before the foundations of the earth were created. Certainly he knew the issue before that day. But yet he waited on the disciples to come to him before he did anything about it. When you take responsibility for the issue that you have in the sense that I'm going to come to God and I'm going to expect him to do something in my life, you open the door for God to get busy in your life. Take responsibility for the problem. God already knew about the disaster that came in your life. He did. He's not surprised by it. And in fact, he already knows the solution that he has to offer you. But maybe he's waiting on you to stop ignoring the thing and get to a place where you say, God, I'm ready to walk down this road and I want you to walk with me. I think a lot of times it's so easy to go, you know what, God, I've got this problem. And then throw it on him and then say, I'm going to walk over here. And then I want you to fix that problem by lunch tomorrow. And I I do nothing with it because you're God and you're big and you have all the resources and you're all knowing and I don't have a clue what I'm doing. So we launch it off on God and we walk away and we never think that, you know what, part of the responsibility might mean me walking through this with God. Part of the miracle may be that, you know what, I get on the other side of this because I actually walk down the path to do it. Are are you taking responsibility for, for that part of your problem? The thing that you're saying, that right now, I need a miracle, God. I need you to do something in my life. Are, have you identified it? Are you taking responsibility for it? I, I think it's interesting uh, that Jesus' response to them in John 6, 6. All four Gospels, by the way, recorded this. It was one of the most famous uh, miracles that Jesus did, probably because 20,000 people or so saw him do it. <laughs> Listen to what he says. He said, Jesus, he already had in mind what he was going to do. He already knew the solution, and he knows your solution. Look at Mark 6, 37. He answered them, you give them something to eat. <laughs> I mean, what? They're probably looking around like, I don't, Papa John's literally does not deliver here, Jesus. Like, I don't know what we're going to do. One of them is even going, you know, we, if we, even if we had the money, it's going to take like an eight months wage to feed everybody here. And still, I don't even know if that's going to happen. You give them something to eat. No, Jesus, how about you give them something to eat? Why do you think Jesus put the ball back in their court? Let let me ask you this. Have you prayed for something and God not done it? Do you need a miracle today and and you're praying for it and you've just kind of thrown it off like, well, God doesn't care or God doesn't hear me? Or maybe just you're real spiritual about it and you're like, well, maybe God just said no. And so we leave it alone. And, And I'm thinking it's interesting That they brought the problem to Jesus, needing a miracle, and Jesus turns back around in view of the, the thousands of people and says, you give them something to eat. Knowing full well, they can't do the miracle. They knew full well they couldn't do the miracle. But yet Jesus said, you do it. That's crazy to me. Why did he put it back in their hands? God will sometimes put the situation back in your hands because your part's not done yet. So sometimes God will will hear you pray. He'll understand in full the miracle that you need. But he's not interested in just handling your problem. He's interested in building your faith. And so he will put it back in your hands to take what you have and take a step in faith, even though you know on your part it's impossible, and believe in him to make up the difference. He'll put it back in your hand. He doesn't want you to be ignorant of the details as this story unfolds. He wants you to be intimately involved in the details. And so if we just throw it off on God and say, God, handle it, God, handle it, God's going to, he may just not do anything because he's not interested in just fixing your problem and bringing the miracle. He's interested in building your faith and walking you along. So don't be surprised if you pray for God to do something And he puts the ball back in your court and says, I want you to take this next step of of faith with me so that by the time this whole thing gets done, you're able to look back and be intimately involved with every single detail that came along so that you can tell other people about the goodness that I brought into your life. And you can can face trials and temptations on down the road, and you can look back and say, God did it for me then, and I know he's going to do it again. God may just put the ball back in your court because your part in faith isn't done yet. And I think sometimes we, we, we miss the miracle that we could have because we simply throw it off on God and try to forget it. All the while, God's saying, I want you to take another step in me. For the disciples, it was practically impossible to feed upwards of 20,000 people by themselves. It was, it was impossible to do that. But God will often ask the impossible as a prelude to a miracle. Why? Because it requires our faith. And God's strength shows up in our faith not our certainty so if you have a problem and you have questions and don't know the answer you're you're in prime position for god to ask you to step out in faith and him do a miracle in your life don't miss that part don't miss the 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 disconnect i think that we so often have we ask god for the miracle and leave it there all the while god's saying i want you to take another step with me and sometimes it seems impossible the things he asks and it's easy for us to worry that's really the, the first thing that, that happens. We get anxiety over it. And we like, you know, I, I, maybe I even hear God asking me to take this step, but there's no way I could do that. Imagine how the disciples must have felt. You feed them. Nope. <laughs> like, literally, like, how? What's the next move after that? What, what do I do? The third principle is this. You do what you can with what you have. Do what you can with what you have. I, I think we look at the end result sometimes whenever God's just trying to show us our next step. We're, we're trying to see how he's going to pull the miracle off in the, big, in, 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 in the big picture, all the while God's just wanting to take that one step in faith. And with a little discernment and a little sensitivity to the Holy Spirit and, 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 and some prayer, I feel like maybe we can discern what God is wanting us to do next and not just try to gloss over the whole entire thing and get scared and retreat. In verse 38, Jesus said this Look, how many loaves have you got? (laughs) What do you have? And I think he's asking you that today. What is it that you have right now? You may have a little of it, but God wants to turn it into a lot. But identify what it is that you do have. And Jesus asked the disciples, How many loaves have you got? And he he said, Go and see. Go go see how many you have. And when they found out, they came back and they said, We've got five loaves and two fish. Great. That's going to feed about two and a half of us. And if Peter gets stingy, it's only going to feed him. Like literally, what are we going to do with five loaves and two fish? God is in the business of taking your lack and turning it into an abundance. And he was setting them up for a miracle. And maybe they didn't even know it. I, I, I have to believe that some of them like, you know, this is the same guy that turned the water into wine. And, and, and this is the same guy that knows how to turn stones into bread. And this is the same guy we saw that rose somebody from the dead. I, I don't know how he's gonna do this, but maybe there was a little bit of anticipation as a, you know what, God, he he might just be setting us up for something crazy here. Uh, we might just be getting ready to witness a miracle. And, and I just wonder, and, and the people in the room today, how many of you are, there's a there's a there's a spark of anticipation waiting say, you know what, God just might be able to do something with this. A miracle could be in the making. John's account says, you know, the little boy was a hero because he was the only guy that brought lunch. (laughs) Five loaves and two fish, and he didn't really have a lot. It was was five barley loaves, and that was like the cheapest kind of bread that you could get, and and two small fish. It It was like a common meal for the day. It wasn't a lot, but when God asks you to take the, the level of kindness that you do have in your life when you don't want to give kindness to that person anymore. And, and your kindness level is like nil because, you know what, they've done this and I don't have anything left. And God's saying, you know what, I want you to take what you do have. It may seem insignificant like the little boy's lunch, but it's all that God needs to do a miracle in your life. Maybe he says, you know what, you, you need to take the financial uh, ability that you do have and trust me with it. Take the the level of faith that you do have. Maybe you don't have faith like like so-and-so's got, and they seem like a spiritual giant. My faith is small. Look look at my life. I'm so scared. I'm timid. I'm anxious. But the small thing is important to God, and if five loaves and two fish was enough for Jesus, then your lack of faith is enough for him to do something big if you'll give it to him. What do you have? Do what you can with what you have. God is going to use it. So let me ask you, what do you have? I ask you, what what do you have a little of that you need a lot of? Hopefully you answered that question. What have you got? What do you have? Take an inventory right now in your heart and in your mind. What is it that you have? Because if there's three lessons quickly that we we can learn from this boy that that gave his lunch, and I don't even know what that encounter went like. (laughs) The Bible doesn't necessarily record it, but this is what we can learn. One, he gave God what he had. He didn't have anything fancy, but he gave it. What have you got? God's not looking for for this amazing ability on your part. He's looking for your availability. Will you give him what you have? He gave what he had. Secondly, he gave all he had. He didn't hold anything back. Five loaves and two fish is what he brought. Five loaves and two fish is what got put in the hands of Jesus. Jesus. He gave what he had, he gave all he had. We need a miracle in our relationship, but oftentimes it's, 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 it's the part of our relationship in our hearts that we need the miracle the most, that we draw the line and we get guarded about, saying I'm not going to give that part of me to God. I'm not going to give that vulnerability up to that other person that I'm looking for a miracle in this relationship with. And so God is saying, you know what, take the little bit that you do have and I want you to surrender it to me. But we, we, we guard the areas of our lives and give God limited access a lot of times to the places that we need him to do the miracle the most. We need a financial breakthrough. and We're praying for God to do it. And we, we completely forget sometimes what the Bible says, the law of sowing and reaping and blessing and giving and how they're so correlated. And we need the financial breakthrough. But what we do have, we hold on to like it's a Snickers bar or something and we're starving. We're not letting anybody have it, Right because we'll turn into Aretha Franklin, (laughs) or whatever the commercial says, right? We we get hungry. We hold on to it, and and God is saying, it's it's the area that you're asking me to bless. It's the area of your life that you're asking me to do a miracle, and why are you so tight-fisted with it? I'm trying to do something in your life. Give it to me. Don't just give me some of it. Give me all of it. And the other part that he did is he gave it immediately. He didn't wait. He didn't sleep on it. He didn't hesitate and and worry over it. He gave it. He saw the need, and he gave it. Now, when we give, the the Scriptures are clear in the New Testament that when we give, we should give with a made-up mind. So I need you to understand that whatever you're giving, whether it's money or your time, um, if there's a need, sometimes that's the call. And sometimes the discernment takes about three seconds. But there are times, especially when you give significantly or you're making big life choices, that you need to make sure you have a made-up heart and made-up mind. Take the time to do that, but don't let worry creep in, and that's what keeps you waiting. This boy gave it immediately. He saw the need, and Jesus asked, and he gave it. Why, why don't we do that? Is it worry? Is it is it a lack of faith? We, we, we want God to take care of us, but we're scared to give him our time and scared to give him our, our talents. We're scared to give him our resources. and. And we're asking God to bless those things and do a miracle in those things. And when we look back over the course of America, when when Americans really trusted God for a miracle, we don't see a group of tight-fisted people that were closed off. We see a group of people that gave it all. And could that be the reason today why we don't look for miracles anymore? That we don't expect them anymore? Because we're not giving. We're, We're taking the areas that we want miracles in our lives, and we're reserving for ourselves the right to control them. And God is saying, I want you to surrender that thing to me and pave the path. It doesn't have to be a lot. In fact, that's where God shows up. I said it in the beginning. You have a problem, it precedes a miracle. That means you have a lack of something. Give it to God, regardless of what the odds are. In fact, faith disregards odds. Faith disregards odds. Can you imagine Jesus saying to the disciples here, feed these 20,000 people? Were the odds stacked against them? Yeah. But they had faith. They listened to Jesus. They went out and found what they had and they and they gave it to him. The boy said, This is what I have. This is what I'm going to give. Because this is what I've got. This series, we're talking about restoring values. Today we're talking about a miracle. And this series is actually going to lead up to something we call around here offering fit for a king. On October 6th, this series will end and and what offering fit for a king is, if, you, if you've never heard it before, it's a Sunday that we all come together and we give God an offering that's fit for a king. And what that means for us is that, is that financially, we say, you know what, God, we're going to give above and beyond what we are already giving. For those of you in the room that are tithers, this is a gift that we're going to give above our tithe. For those of you who aren't tithing, and you say, you know what, that's, that's not a principle I'm living by, there's no condemnation for me, but I will tell you this, it's an opportunity for you to do exactly what his word says and test him. One of the only places in the scriptures that God says test me has to do with bringing a tithe. Bringing a tithe, where? Into the storehouse. What's the storehouse? It's the local church. It's where you get fed from, and this is the, the local church. If this is your home church, this is where you would get fed from, and so this is an opportunity to come and give God an offering that's fit for a king. Why do we do this? Well, we do it for two reasons. One, because we know that God blesses us when we give. And, and we're doing this as a financial offering. Uh, while we're talking about giving God what you have, listen to me, and I just want to be real with you and, and just disclose this right off the bat. I don't know why, but for me, for you, for all of humanity, money is the acid test of our faith. I don't know why that is, but it is. It, it just seems to be the acid test of our faith. And so when we start talking about giving, I'm not asking you to empty your pockets and just be, be I'm, what I'm asking you to do is prayerfully consider what God might do through you in your life if you gave, and you did it sacrificially. And, and I want you to know this time of year when we do this at our church, um, the leaders go first. Jessica and I will go first, and we're going to give sacrificially. It's something that we're, we're going to pray about, and we're going to come with a sacrificial gift. Our senior leaders will go second. And so if you thought, wow, I want to be the first one to, to, to do it, sorry, I'm going to do it, because I'm your leader, and I don't produce something that I am not myself. A seed produces after its own kind, so if I'm going to stand here and ask you to do it, I'm going to go first and do it, and our senior leaders will go next. And we know that God blesses when we do this. We, we know that, that God leans over when we give, I like to say, until it hurts. We, we don't give out of our abundance. The scriptures teach that when we give, we give a sacrifice and we give above and beyond. And and secondly we, we know first we, we know God blesses, but secondly we know that what we give, all of what we give, it goes to do ministry here that changes lives and changes hearts. Every single thing we have in our budget uh, for for next year coming up, it's tied to part of our vision that, that we want to see life change in people. Everything from kids ministry to students, which by the way, if you look out here, fifty I think 50 people or 51 people have said yes to Jesus Christ just as part of the Bridge Goldsboro just this year. We're we're giving is going overseas. Everything that we do is tied to life change here. And just a little administrative thing, for many of you, you know that this is just one location out of four. And we're all one big church called the Bridge Church. And every church has its own lead pastor and its own senior leader team. And we get to decide you know, what, what mission we're going to go after in terms of our needs. Our needs are, are a little different than the other locations, and there's ours. This is the first year that Offering Fit for a King is actually going to stay at our location. And so what you give is going to stay here. And we're going to be able to provide needs. We're going to be able to, to do ministry with what you give here. And so I'm excited about that. There's so many testimonies uh, that have been given, uh, people historically, that have given to Offering Fit for a King. You want to know why? Because God's word doesn't lie. When He says He's going to bless, He always comes through. When people sacrifice themselves for Him, God always takes His responsibility and He comes through with it. And there's so many testimonies of breakthroughs that have happened. And and I just want to say this too, because um, a lot of people get really turned off when pa- pastors stand up and talk about offerings or money. I just want you to know that I'm, I'm I've never been ashamed to stand here, and and talk to you as loving as I can as your pastor. And ask you to commit to something and sacrifice for something that you say is one of the most important things in your life. I've never been ashamed to do that. I've never been ashamed to do it for me. And so when you walk out of here today, you're going to get an envelope that looks like this. And it says, offering fit for a king on there. And it's got some information in there from our, our senior pastor who's over the whole bridge church. Uh, he's got some information he wants to share with you, some more information about how to do this prayerfully and not just be haphazardly, but actually do it and it be something significant in your life. And on October 6th, we're going to come together and we're going to give. We're going to do it together. And I believe God's going to do some major miracles in our lives. I really do, because his word doesn't lie. And, and maybe you're here wondering and you're like, you know what, I can't afford that or I can't do that. I want you to listen again. Uh, Paul told the Corinthian church in chapter 8, verse twelve, Second Corinthians, he said the important thing is to be willing to give as much as we can. That is what God accepts, and no one is asked to give what he hasn't got. We give. And I believe God's going to do a miracle in your life. And when you're able to recognize what the problem is, when you're able to take responsibility for the problem, this is the fourth one. Expect a miracle to take place. Do what you can with what you have. And then expect a miracle to take place. We've been talking about our part for a while now. And I know everybody gets nervous when we start talking about, you know, sacrificing and having faith. But here's the, ex- here's the exciting part. Are you ready? Expect a miracle to take place because this is where God steps in and does His part. So back to the story. He tells the disciples to do a crazy, stupid thing. <laughs> and, and they go out and they get five loaves and two fish. That's all they have. And they bring it to Jesus. Listen to what He does with it. It says, Jesus directed them to have all the people sit down in groups on the grass. I believe Jesus wanted everyone to see what was getting ready to happen. Taking the five loaves and two fish, he looks up to heaven. He gives thanks, and he broke the loaves. He gave them to his disciples to set before the people, and they all ate, and they were all satisfied, and the disciples picked up 12 baskets of broken pieces of bread and fish. How in the world did that happen? I mean, like, literally, he has five loaves and two fish, and he gives them to the disciples, and he, they begin passing it out. And somehow, in some way, in some miracle, it begins to multiply. And all of a sudden, I, I've got more, and I don't know how. And all of a sudden, this group's being fed, and then, and then that group's being fed. And then all of a sudden, this group over here is being fed, and I don't know how it happened. And there are times in your life where you look back, and you see what God did, and you're like, I don't have a clue how he did it. That There are people that have been cured from cancer, and it, it baffles doctors, and they're like, how did that happen? There's no explanation for this. Uh, I've seen video of people miraculously walking away from car accidents, and you, you look at the car and the wreckage, and you're like, how did they walk away from that? There, there's no reason, rhyme or reason, how, how did this happen? When God does a miracle in your life, it's not so that you can begin to grasp all the details and understand every little thing. When God does a miracle in your life and you've done your part and God comes through miraculously and done done his, it's always going to be where you look at it and say, oh, only but God, only but God. God's the only one that could have done that. He will he will honor his name and honor his word. And after he pulls through a miracle for you, he wants you to be able to walk through and glorify him in his name and his name only. Are you willing to take what little you have? What, what is it that you have little of? Joy. It, do you have a little faith right now? Do you have little finances and you're expecting God for a breakthrough? Are you willing to put that in God's hands and surrender it to him? Give everything you have and, and, and give it and, and put it in his hands and watch him do something amazing with it. Are you willing to do that? God, he specializes in things that seem impossible for us. Jeremiah 32 says, nothing is too hard for God. Nothing. Whatever your situation is, put it there. It's not too hard for God. Jesus said in Mark 9, all things are possible for them that believe. Matthew 19 says, with God all things are possible. Are those big statements? Are they? Because we serve a pretty big God. And he's able to make those statements because he comes through on those statements. There there was a woman recently at one of our locations who was... uh, had a really bad habit of cutting herself. Lots of psychological things that happen as a part of that, but she was cutting, and and she came to the series we had last time called Transformed. It was the series we had before this one. And she was able to hear the story about how God can not just tweak your behavior and do behavior modifications in your life, but how he can transform you from the inside out and actually take you from what we were calling from useless to useful taking from a useless lifestyle and God transforming in only a way that he can do and turning you into something useful for him. And she began to experience this in her life and gave her life to Jesus. And her whole life flipped around. And before she would always wear long sleeves, ashamed at what she was. But she, she gave her life to Jesus Christ. And it was interesting. The pastor said she came in the next week with short, short sleeves on, completely unashamed. Not, not that the, the sin was, was okay, but that she was not ashamed at all about what God had done in her life, and she wasn't ashamed to show what, what God had turned her away from. The Bible says there's now no condemnation in Jesus Christ. That's the kind of miracles that can happen in lives. When you accept the responsibility, when you identify the problem, when you, you, you do what you can do with what you have, God makes up the difference, and he does a miracle in your life. But I want you to know another principle here as we close, and that's this. When you do what what you can do, God will always do more than what you did. Every time you come with your little and God shows up with an abundance. Look at the verse. And and 12 baskets were left. 12. I mean, man, I I didn't know if I was there that day. I, I wouldn't have known if he could have done half of what he did half of them, much less all of them, and I never would have expected, and I don't think anybody did, that there would be 12 basketfuls left over. But see, here's the thing. God, He's not just in it to bless you. He's in it to bless everybody around you. And that's the part that you never see coming. He's always more than enough. And when you come to Him with what you have, He'll always give you more than what you did. Every time. And here's the reason why. Because God not, is just not interested in filling you up. He wants to spill over in your life to the people that you have influence in. You may not realize this, but your miracle that you're asking for, God wants to do it, and it may not be just for you, but it may be somebody else that after you experience this, you can tell somebody about. It may be for your children who see what God does in you, and it bolsters their faith. And when they face trials and tribulations down the way, they say, you know what? I serve a God because my mama served a God that came through with a miracle for her. My dad served a God that I saw him come through miracle after miracle in his life, and I know he can come through for me. You have no idea where you're sitting right now in your pain, that the miracle that God wants to bring in your life isn't just for you. Hold fast, it's gonna be for more than just you. When you bring what you have, God always gives more than what you did. I hope you've been applying this to your life today, but I also want you to realize that we can apply this to our church too. Maybe you're sitting here today or listening online and you say, you know what? I call this church home. I call the Bridge Goldsboro home. I want you to know we, we have needs here. We, we need miracles here too. We, we need more leaders. We need more bridge group leaders. We've been, we're, we're promoting bridge groups this month and we need more bridge group leaders. We do. We, we need more people in leadership. We have a lot of leaders, but we need a lot more. At some point in the future, I'm going to get tired of saying, I want everyone to slide to the left, and guess what? We're going to need a new facility. We, we have two services right now. And, guys, that's, that's in our future. I want you to understand that a building is not ministry. A building is a tool. So I'm not saying that's, that's ministry, but I am saying that, you know what? Th- this is a rented space that we have. And at some point, you know, we're, we're going to get real serious and start looking. But we need miracles. We, we need God to show up. And I want you to know God wants to do a miracle in us. And it's not a weighty responsibility as long as we all do our part as a family. But we need miracles here. I know as long as we recognize what problems are. And I just want to say, you know what, this is a good problem to have. Sometimes there's success problems. Do you know that? Sometimes you, you do things in life and God gives you such a level of success that you have new obstacles in front of you. And it's not that those are bad problems. Those are success problems. It's just new obstacles to face. But God promises the same miracles that he did in the beginning. Somebody say amen. He's the same God. He'll still bring us through. If you believe it for our nation, if you believe it for our church, you can believe it for your life. I want to pray with you before we go, because I I know right now there, there are some people who need a miracle. And I know this has challenged you. And, and I know maybe some of you are thinking, you know what, I had thrown it in God's lap and I completely disregarded the next step of faith that he wanted me to take. And now I know what that step is. Or, or maybe, you know what, you're thinking, I'm going to be praying for what that next step is. But it's going to take faith. It's going to take trust. And it's going to take maybe a little bit of, 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 of rubbing you on the inside. And you're not going to want to do it. But just like the disciples trusted him for that gargantuan miracle that we read about today, you can trust God for the miracle in your life. Let's pray. God, I, I know that because we're all in here breathing air, every one of us are human beings. Maybe you're listening online on, on your couch or on your chair or, or you're, you're, you're somewhere else besides here, but you're right here with us. And the God that's here is the same one there, and, and we're, we're facing troubles, we're facing trials. Some of us are, are facing the, the, the depth of it, and we, we need a miracle, God. And so as we read your word today, Lord, we're encouraged again to know that you're still a God who performs miracles if we'd look for them, if we'd expect them, and if we'd do our part. And so, Lord, I, I believe, Holy Spirit, right now, you're making clear and solidifying some things in our hearts contextually to each each situation. Lord, my prayer is that you give strength right now to the person that's wondering how they're gonna pull it off. My, my prayer is that you give a supernatural peace to the one who right now who's worrying and filled with anxiety about about what's next. But your word said, don't worry. Paul said, rejoice. I say it again, rejoice. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, in prayer, and by asking of me, and with thanksgiving, I'll give you a peace that passes all understanding that'll guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. Lord, that's your word. I pray that right now over my brothers and my sisters. Lord, for those in the room who are battling depression, over the need of a miracle. I speak against that in the name of Jesus. Lord, that you would begin to raise up their spirit and their flesh would lower. Lord, their, their, their spirit doesn't age. Their, their spirit is directly connected to you. Depression is a part of that flesh nature that has kind of overcrowded the spiritual nature of them. And I pray right now that they would begin to understand they don't have a spirit, they are a spirit. And that you'd begin to speak to that in Jesus' name and raise raise them up. Raise them up out of that depression in the name of Jesus to begin to see clearly your word and apply it to their lives in Jesus' name. For, for those listening online or in the room right now who who know their next step is to have a relationship with you. Before ever, God ever does a miracle in your life, the, the, the very first miracle he's ever going to do in you is introduce you to his son, Jesus Christ. And so if that's you right now, I wonder if you'd just pray that prayer with me. I'm, I'm glad... We don't serve a God that speaks English. He, he, he hears your heart. <laughs> so maybe you want to say this prayer out loud. Maybe you want to meditate on this in your heart and talk to God. He hears you. Pray with me. God, I need you. I've, I'm, I'm living with you not being my Lord, not giving you the authority in my life. Today, I changed that. I can't stand before you, a perfect God, and being an imperfect person, expect to be worthy of you. I'm imperfect. You demand perfection. That's your standard. I don't meet that. But you sent your son Jesus to die for me, who didn't sin, but sacrificed himself in my place. And I believe that he rose to life by the power of the Holy Spirit. I I can't begin to fathom how that happened. I, I can't put all the connections together, but I believe it and have faith that that's what happened. And I believe that he sacrificed for me. And so when I stand before you, I accept Jesus. And I believe that you see his worthiness and not mine. My part is to follow you, to follow and do the things that Jesus did. And I commit myself to do that. I don't have all the answers, but I commit myself to aim my heart at you, to read your word. And to look to the example of those that are further along. And I know when I get to heaven one day, I'm going to stand there before you and be accepted because of the worthiness of Jesus Christ. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. Accept me, Lord, as I accept him. In Jesus' name. Can we say amen together? Amen. Look at me real fast. Can we just give it up for everybody who said yes to Jesus Christ today? Yes. And I just want to say, if that's you today, that's the best decision you ever made. And I want to tell you, I want to make a bold, bold request to you today. Don't walk out the door and not let anybody know what you just did today. I know that freaks you out a little bit, but I want you to know the devil's trick is this. Isolation. He will get you out of this room and say, you know what, what you did was insignificant. What you did didn't matter. It was just an emotional thing. What, what, what you, you're just going to go right back into your old life because that was just the thing you did at the bridge one time. When you tell somebody about what you did, what you do is you, you surround yourself with an army of people that will pray for you and, and surround you. And that's what we want to give you the opportunity to do today. On that Connect card in front of you is a place that says, I prayed to receive Christ. Would you take a second and check that box? We're going to be praying for you this week. We're going to follow up with you and give you some potential next steps that you can take that make this not just be a starting place, but not a finishing place either, but that you can keep going and walk on this journey with God. We have some free resources that we want to put in your hand. Would you do that? For the rest of you in the room, take that Connect card and let us know what your prayer requests are. And, And I'll be the first one to say after a message like that, we got some prayer requests. God, please pray for me. I need a miracle. And I don't know how God's going to do it, but I'm believing. Would you agree with me? We want to be that for you. So take a second and do that. I love you guys so much. I want you to walk out of here today and expect God to do a miracle in your life. See you next time.